You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 313 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. How are you going? I'm good. What's happening in Gina world? Oh, it's like spring, finally. Yes. And uh, the days are longer. The sun is beautiful. Um, The sun's sort of just beginning to set at the moment, so that's lovely. Um, I've been uh, actually uh, coached someone online uh, through Skype to do a photo shoot this week, oh, which was yes. really cool. And it's a you know amazing what you can do uh, just yeah. with uh, you know just directing them. And they ended up shooting some products that worked really well. Yeah, um, I've seen them; they look great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, excited about um, this episode, but yes. Valerie three thirteen. Um, uh-huh. uh, do you know what fear of 13 is? Oh, it's like try, try something. Paris Cavidia <laughs> so, catriophobia. Okay. Yes. So, do you have that <clears throat> affliction? It's a fear of the number 13. So, and it, it mm-hmm. sounds really good though, when you say it, Paris Cavidia catriophobia, right? Yes. So. What you could do at work, because you know how, like, if you want to chuck a sickie, that's a that's a slang word for take the day off, you know. Yes. So what you could do is on the thirteenth, you could ring your boss and you go, um, "Hi, <coughs> I can't I can't come to work. Uh, I've got a really bad case of uh, Paris Cavidia catriophobia." <laughs> So, and I do, I like, I do have an aversion to the number 13 and yeah. And so, um, a bit of superstition. So what I do is, uh, when I number my, um, hard drives, there uh-huh. isn't a number 13. I don't have one. Oh, that's one. too funny. Yeah. Yeah. I, won't, I refuse no to have way. it because I'm like, oh, that's tempting fate if I put all my, um, archives onto that volume. So it goes, you know, oh. 10, 11, 12, 14. <laughs> <laughs> That's too funny. Do you have phobias? Okay. Wow. Um, I don't know. I don't think so. Um, I mean, I probably do. There's things I'm not fond of. Did you ever do that thing as a kid where you like you didn't step on cracks in case you know, like you were told that if you stepped so on the crack and the, the footpath? No, no. But I did do a thing where I had to turn the light on in a in a room before I entered it. So I had to stick my arm <laughs> into the room first. All right, just in case there was a monster then... there or something. <laughs> I don't know how I did, why I did that, but I, I, I remember I used to do that. So that's a bit of an odd one. But no, I don't have a fear of the number thirteen. No, or things like food touching. There's people that like they don't don't like their food to touch on the plate. Yeah, I don't have that problem. No, I don't have that either. I don't mind if it's I'll all just mixed eat it. up. 
<laughs> yeah, it's all going to be mixed up when it goes down there anyway. Exactly. Now, this week's episode is seven portrait lighting tricks using daylight or flash for beginners and pros. Now, I always loved Gina's hacks, mm-hmm. so very much looking forward to this. But first, we've got a couple of listener questions. Derek is in the Facebook group. And if you are not in the Facebook group, make sure you join. It's our listener community. It's free to join. Uh, just search for So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community on Facebook and request to join. We'd love to have you in there. And Derek has asked this question. I was wondering what portrait photographers might think about having tethered shots displayed on laptops for clients to view throughout shoots. I can see pros and cons, but would love to hear about some thoughts or experiences from those who have done this. Great question. It is a great question. What's your take on that, Gina? I am a huge fan of tethered shooting. So, uh, Derek, when I'm in the studio, it is 100% of my shoots are tethered. And the reason I do this is it's absolutely crucial, very hard to tell um, what your lighting is doing when you're looking at a a small screen on the back of the camera. So um, what I use it for is uh, A, so that the clients can see exactly what's happening and making sure that, you know, it might be the art director or a publicist um, in particular, that, that they've got a certain look in mind that we're trying to get. I make sure that they're seeing exactly what's happening um, and so that they, they're they able to, to say, yep, we got that shot, let's move on to the next one or like, oh, maybe let's move that person over a little bit. So particularly when you're doing larger groups of people, you can just see at a glance what's going on and, and see exactly what all your lights are doing. Um, in terms of uh, when I'm shooting one-on-one, it's a fantastic uh, teaching tool, which is something that you touched on in your question, Derek. So like if I'm shooting and uh, I want to show a client, okay, you need to, when you push your head or your head's to the side, and I'll just bring them around to the camera, it's like, see the angle here, compare it to this angle there, see how much better that looks, and they can see exactly what you're talking about, and there's no confusion. So I do, or, or I'll say, you know, have a look at this smile here. It's not in the eyes, but when you smile here, it's more genuine. So that's what I mean when I mean when I say that. So it's also uh, an excellent uh, teaching tool. Now, there are uh, a couple of uh, d- like different softwares that you can tether to, like Lightroom, uh, you can tether to, but it's quite slow so if you're someone that's shooting sort of thousands of shots in a day i don't recommend lightroom because it can be quite slow but if you're just shooting uh products where it's you just might take a few frames of each shot then lightroom is great i prefer capture one it's fast the images come up quickly uh it's got a, a beautiful interface so that's my preferred um tool for tethering to uh, the the other thing i like and both lightroom and capture one offer this is you can do uh remote viewing so instead of having uh all the clients crowding around and the you know art directors and things like that crowding around your laptop which annoys me because they put their drinks near my laptop that, that annoys me when they put their coffee or their, oh, their wine or whatever right next to the to laptop you can actually uh get them to download an app onto their own ipad or phone and they can be in another room 
and you can actually select which images you want to send them and you'll they'll they'll get like a a mid-res uh jpeg version of that shot so they can be seeing what's going on and, and i think lightroom allows you to do it like in another location so someone can be uh, away from the studio and i think with uh you know what's going on with uh covid where there'll be the next little while we won't be able to have as many people in the room so you can sort of um, have people in another room so i think it's really handy or on another site and they're viewing the images online as you're shooting them so i think that's uh fantastic now when i'm shooting outdoors like run run and gun shoots where you just want to go location do the shoot move to the next location and you might be outside where it's perhaps not um an option to have a, a laptop out or for safety reasons or there's too many people around then i like to shoot with a cam ranger which is a uh, a product that allows you to shoot tethered it's like you plug that into your camera and it'll send the photos to um uh, either someone else uh, like a an iPad or a, an, another phone and then someone can be holding that or I'll have it and I can see the images on the screen without having to worry about tethering so it's like a remote it sends them through uh, Bluetooth I think to your to the device and also I know that Canon and Fuji have fantastic apps that allow you to uh, send those uh, not, not raw files but JPEG images to your um camera phone or to your ipad and you can view those uh the images that way and, and that's uh fantastic the other thing that when you're working outside you can actually rig up a little lens hood onto your ipad and so you've you've got a like a much bigger screen to look at your images and particularly you know if you're shooting backlit or you you want your lighting to be very specific you don't always pick it up when you're looking at the back of the screen it's often hard to see particularly in daylight so the lens hood comes in handy so yes Derek uh, tethered shooting is fantastic uh, I think uh, and, and an essential part of uh, product photography uh, of portrait photography it makes life so much easier brilliant absolutely brilliant so um, that's one question from Derek but we also have a question from David Lloyd and David has included some photos that he's taken and you can see those over in the show notes if you want to have a look and of course the show notes are over at ginamilitia.com that's m-i-l-i-c-i-a and david has said um, i'm finalizing my edits from a recent elopement mm. and am having trouble as per usual getting my white balance right in a few images the overall feel i've gone with is that of the over the shoulder shot with the gorgeous smile at the ceremony the kiss at the end, I can't for the life of me decide what to do. I know this is a problem I'm sure that many people face outside, especially at weddings and at the ceremony. Is there a rule of thumb or a cheeky trick or two to go by with colour grading when I have a light that's constantly changing on me? And basically he's uploaded, um, you know, three shots of the bride and groom and their elopement. Um, there's one of the bride and groom kissing it kind of looks like it's probably four o'clock or something um so the sun is coming at a fairly fairly low angle then there's one of the bride and groom under the tree where it seems like the sun there's probably cloud because the sun isn't very harsh on that one and then there's one 
um, of uh, a beautiful shot of the bride where she is looking at the groom, but you can't, you, it's really the, the back of the groom. Um, and it's mainly the bride uh, who is the feature. And again, that looks like it's, it's pretty harsh sunlight, but they happen to be under the tree, I think. Yeah. So, Gina, take it away. What are some tips that you can give to David Lloyd? So, the elopement is uh, quite trendy these days, and people are choosing to elope rather than, you know, spend half a million dollars on a wedding, <laughs> you know, which is just like, I think is a great idea because it's like more money for the holiday, which is probably the best part of the wedding, the honeymoon, right? And so, so as the photographer on an elopement, um, there might be you and a couple of other people. So I think, uh, David, you're in um, a lot better position to take control of the actual wedding. And I think even uh, even it wasn't an elopement and it was just a wedding, when you've got your uh, couple and you do the, the pre-meet where you run do the run-through of the wedding, and I think it's absolutely crucial that you do this when you're shooting weddings, that's your opportunity opportunity to take control and be the expert and advise the couple because left to their own devices people will set up a wedding to be in full sun at midday they don't think of lighting wise so like this is where you can come in and suggest hey I know you've picked this time of the day and this particular location so but like where you're getting married we're under dappled light and it's not ideal for photography so we can either you know find um a spot that's in um a bit like clean open shade where it's not dappled light or we can find a gazebo or we can set something up where you have much more control of the light and it's like you know and we're gonna delve into this uh, in a lot more detail in this episode David so you'll get some good tips here but like what you want to do is really take control of the lighting and um, you want to have consistent lighting all the way through and that's going to give you much better options with your color grading and I would say avoid a dappled light at all costs because it's just like when you've got a white dress and a dark suit and blonde hair and you've got dappled light it is really a nightmare so um, you want to be able to have the opportunity to manufacture your own light and so by that, if you just uh, want to shoot uh, just with daylight, then you want to be looking for clean open shade, no dappled light, or um, bring in diffusers when you do the setup shots. So while it's the ceremony, you don't have a lot of control. So make sure that you step in and say, this isn't a good spot to get married, move over a little bit um, and make sure that you uh, control the look of the light. And um uh, the uh, the thing I see the the mistake that a lot of uh, new photographers are making when they're doing their editing editing so it might be a wedding or an engagement or a party or a, a set of uh, you know senior portraits where they're shooting um, you know graduates from high school doing uh, lots of different things what they'll do is they'll offer twenty different um, uh, sort of light, uh, editing styles and it's sort of really choppy and it's um, a bit grating to look at where you, where you see like lots and lots of different like it'll be black and white it'll be like some of them will have blue tones some of them will be a grungy edit some of them will be a like a, a, a like a low contrast edit and it doesn't it doesn't gel well together do, what do you think about that Val when you get like if you get an edit of if you've um, commissioned a photographer to do something and they gave you 
lots and lots of different um, edits in the. Do you like yeah. that, or do you, would you rather have a consistent theme from coming from yeah, a magazine background? Yeah, generally no, because generally when you hire a photographer, you are hiring that person for a particular look yep unless you really happen to want it to look like it was taken by lots of different photographers and and you might for some reason like at an event you might want to have this montage or a collage of lots of different shots to look to look like lots of different people took it but generally when you are envisioning a shoot you have a particular look in mind and you usually hire a photographer who either already has it in their style or you're briefing that photographer with um, like a mood board or, you know, with sample shots to show the style that you want to achieve. So um, that's really what you want to receive in the end, not a hodgepodge of different things. Hodgepodge is right. That's what it looks like. It's just like there's just too much and it's confusing and it's like when you give someone – too many choices and this goes for like you know if you're sending it to the client and you're expecting them to buy images and you give them 20 a whole variety of stuff they're overwhelmed and they end up like you know you get uh, decision fatigue you can't make a decision when there's too many choices so you want to narrow it down and just give them one style and and it's like it takes a little while to work out what it is that you actually like as a a lighting uh, as an editing style so the best thing to do is you know sample lots of different styles until you just keep you'll find that you just keep going back to the same one because it 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 it, it, that's what you like and that it it ends up becoming an extension of your style so um the other thing like you want to be it's great to have an assistant with a scrim that can help you know um provide the 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 clean and even lighting and taking it to the next level make your own light and learning how to use fill flash um david is i think absolutely essential for these types of events and you can when you learn to do it properly it looks like it's not lit you don't want flash that looks like it's like you know and they just look so obvious but you can do it so that it's um really subtle and then no one knows it's lit or they can't tell and uh that's great lighting and that's what all the uh the high-end photographers do and it means that you will have consistent lighting no matter what you you end up having on the day like it could be completely overcast it could be raining it could be sunny or a, a combination of all those things but if you're able to manufacture your own light then you're able to control that so um if uh you don't have a choice uh what i recommend you do when you're shooting in these sort of uh where you've got bright bright lights and then dark dark shadows is actually expose for the highlights because if you don't get the highlights in the actual uh, shot that you're taking and um, you won't ever be able to rescue them in post-production. So it's like d- digital, you can get, allows, there's a huge leeway in the shadows, like you can really open them up and uh, create an image easily in the edit where you'll get a lot of detail in the shadows. But if you don't actually expose for the, for the highlights correctly, then you'll miss them. In terms of these images and uh, the, the question about your color grading, um, and you were really struggling with the kiss shot where you've got like bright highlights in the hair, on the suit, on the dress. What I tend to do, uh, it's a good idea to um, bring a gray card uh, into the first shot and just uh, hold it up in front of the shot, take a shot with that uh, little piece of card in the frame, and that gives you a, uh, a neutral point that you can use as your white balance 
if you forget to do that, then the next best thing is I look for um, the whites of the eyes of someone's eyes, and I'll use that as a click balance, uh, a point of a neutral point. Or uh, generally, uh, the guy uh, will be in a will have a white shirt on, so I usually just use the collar or the the cuff where there's white, and you make sure that that's not. Um, a part of the suit that's in bright sunlight you want to make sure that that's a it's in shadow and you do the click balance off that and then you apply that click balance the white balance to the entire uh, set of images and that will give you a consistent sort of color grade across you know all three four five hundred images that you've taken so um, that's what I recommend for getting consistency uh, in the shots and uh, David is a a newly joined gold member as well so so welcome to the goldies David I'm looking forward to uh, uh, working with you and welcome to all the uh, the new members as well Welcome to everyone who's joined the Gold community recently. Um, If you're interested in finding out more about the Gold community, have a listen to this. This podcast is brought to you by the Gold community. If you're wondering what it's like to be a member of the Gold community over at GinaMilitia.com, I asked Eva Swagger why she joined. And all of a sudden I I, I noticed there is this community and tutorials and uh, individual questions and and, um, sounded like, oh, this is really exciting. Um, It has fulfilled my expectations and beyond because uh, it's an enormous source of of, uh, of resources, of of tutorials, of of knowledge, experience. It's it's always a personal touch, a bit of a humour. Um, it's um, yeah, it's just great. <laughs> the major change is uh, portraits. I thought this is nothing for me because, well, how do I dare to think about taking portraits of people? Who am I <laughs> to doing that? But the more I, I see and I learn about it, and the more I see other members uh, first struggling and then um, uh, progressing, it's so in- inspiring. Oh, certainly, I would recommend it. It's worth every penny. <laughs> if you'd like to find out more about the Gold community, just go to GinaMilitia.com and click on Join the Community. All right, so let's move on to this week's topic, which is seven portrait lighting tricks using daylight or flash for beginners and pros. I love a good hack, especially when it comes from Gina, because she's she's got so much experience and she always thinks of some really practical ways to end up with um some fabulous shots so where do we start on this one Gina all right so these are like the common uh lighting sort of um hacks that I see that people kind of sometimes get wrong or don't realize that oh you can do that so these these are my favorite and they will make a huge that they're game changers uh, and they're, they're really simple and often people don't think about them but they'll, they'll eliminate uh, some of the most common lighting problems that I see out there Val and they're the big game changers to the photography so we'll start off with a very simple one but often underutilized um, and the first one is uh, use a scrim or a diffuser and a diffuser is um, uh, some material that is uh, translucent so it allows the light to pass through and then as the light hard light passes through uh, a diffuser it, it softens uh, the light and uh, it'll take away harsh shadows so um, the 
there, there are diffusers uh, that you see in uh, the real world uh, that are just basically clouds. So when a cloud passes <laughs> in front of the sun, uh, you'll see the effect of what a diffuser does. So we've got the sun, which is, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of, or millions of miles away. I've got no idea because I think I failed science. Um, I never went to, <laughs> I just always kicked out of my science class. You know why? The teacher wasn't very interesting, just very okay. like, yeah. So anyway, but now I'm getting into it and I really geek out over this sort of stuff. But you see like if you, um, the hard sun uh, where there's no clouds casts um, harsh shadows and uh, especially like when it's high in the sky around midday, you get like sort of uh, if someone's got uh, lots of hair or a hat, uh, where the, the sun is above them, it'll cast these harsh shadows from the hat or the hair uh, and you'll get all these sort of, um, or dappled light as, as was the case with uh, David's images that we talked about earlier. So it's a simple and it, it is such a game changer. And guys, if you want to follow along, I've tried to include um, lots of uh, visual diagrams so you can just actually see the huge difference that something like, and, and honestly, these are like cost about five or ten bucks and I recommend that when you buy uh, that so you'll get when you buy a five-in-one reflector so you've got like um, black on one side silver on the other and then you can turn them inside out and you can have um, gold and uh, green you can get all sorts of different colors but in the middle is uh, is the actual diffuser so it's it's actually this translucent material and it's night and day the difference in the images so I've got a shot of uh, a girl out on the um, lying in the the grass, and she's got that harsh uh, sun above, a hot spot on her head, and then you've got the the sort of the shade in the eyes, and you've got like raccoon eyes going on, and there's also like shadows from the hair, and just bringing, um, getting someone to hold a diffuser up above over her means that the sun is actually now um, diffused through that 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 diffuser, and it's beautiful soft even lighting and it like it almost looks like a studio shot because it's just so clean and lovely um and and diffuse light huge huge that that, that in itself if you just want to be a, like just shoot daylight photography an absolute complete game changer and not necessarily just for portraits but you can use that diffuser um, if you're photographing products and you might have light that's streaming in through the window and it might just be too harsh too hard that diffuser bang beautiful you know and you, you know you can make your own as well which is um uh, quite easy. So I, I've got a, uh, a light panel that I use uh, on bigger commercial shoots. So what I'll do is I'll bring um, a couple of light stands and it's a large rectangular diffuser and um, I'll mount that above uh, the model nice and high and, and I can shoot that with just using daylight now. So suddenly I've created my own beautiful lighting. So if you don't don't get what you want then make what you want make it you know don't just accept what mother nature gives you you can manipulate that light to suit whatever you need so these um larger 
light modifiers and if you go ever on a um a tv or a movie set they have massive ones like i've seen ones that are like almost the size of a room which is fantastic and easily like a couple of um sandbags and you can um keep those safely uh in place so that they won't blow away and you create your own beautiful soft diffuse light and um you can also make one yourself using um uh sort of pipes uh like plumbing pipes and so i've put a link in the show notes to one uh through digital photography school that shows you how to make a diy light panel and it's like when i was starting out val i I used to like make all my own because all these little bits and pieces get expensive so i actually made one out of um this pvc piping and you can actually go to um if you happen to have a parachute manufacturer in your or a sail maker is actually a good place to get that cloth cloth or there's something if you go to a um a uh, a sewing uh supply shop like spotlight in um australia my favorite place uh you can get something called ripstop nylon which is a great sort of diffusing um fabric that you can buy and you can How make you your own diffuser. so you can do it with um it, it it attaches with you can either what you know when you get fitted bed sheets yeah. Right. So that they're they're oh, made. Right. So elasticize yeah, it. Yeah. So you can actually get your rect cut out your rectangle just mm. just the same size as your panel, and then mm. what you can actually get is you can also you can sort of uh, sew it around so that it's like one of those fitted bed sheets, and it just oh, goes so over that. Or something that looks a little bit nicer. And this is what I did is I actually got really um, thick, like fat elastic, fat strips of elastic, and I'm saying maybe um you know 10 centimeters wide what's that about um three three or four inches and uh you just cut out a corner and sew that onto the um corners of each of the edges of the the rectangle and then that just sort of um uh, goes over the edges or you could actually run um uh velcro along the uh the velcro, edges great idea. yeah and velcro and then you velcro it on and off so um if you're that's handy in with fact, a sewing fact, machine the easiest way velcro and you can just like even you just glue get the it really on. industrial velcro yeah and uh velcro you can get velcro is so handy for photographers and you can get it in um rolls where you get the like the positive and the negative yeah, side i don't know yeah. how you know velcro you got the sticky yeah. bit and the bit that it sticks to but you can actually um it's so handy and there's um there's a i forget what the brand is i think it's 3m they make all the like the tapes and all of that sort of stuff 3m have a like something it's it's a a velcro that it's like heavy duty like you can hang pictures on the wall yeah it it is i've used it yeah so have i and it's fantastic and it comes off the wall really quickly but just as an and it's like I, i know we're talking about light but this is another little lighting hack we'll call it eight portrait lighting tricks but if you get those uh little 3m like you can get um sort of large pieces of it there may be you know again uh five centimeters square and um you put them onto your speed light onto the back of the speed light 
and then stick it onto a, uh, a post or a, or a wall and then you can uh, mount your speed light to a wall but, or know, a post. Get the, like get the industrial Velcro. The industrial and the, the, you know, like the you, strongest. You, you can, it, it says how it says like how it, strong it is on the. Finger. It tells you how much weight it will yeah. hold. So like a speed light doesn't weigh much at all, and like when you compare it to a large, uh, like I've got a painting on one of my walls that's hung there with Velcro because I didn't want to. Because sometimes you can't always drill into um, plasterboard because yeah. there's nothing to hold it. But this mm. th- this stuff is fantastic. So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So give it a go. I, like I use my um, scrims all the time. So when, like when you're buying a five in one uh, reflector, buy three honestly because you will use them because then you can use the diffuser on a shoot and then you'll also want to have a a reflector like a silver reflector or a gold reflector or a white reflector to bounce light back in but also you might want to use the black side to cut light back in so they're very handy to have and um, you know get get different sizes as well it's one of the most useful things in a photographer's kit fantastic okay so what's next all right, I love this hack, and this is great when you're just learning how to see light. Uh, and this is something where you use your smartphone to find the best light. And so, Val, you can use this when you're doing your selfies, and you probably okay. do. So, like, what you do is uh, you get your smartphone and you turn the camera app on and you put it on um, selfie mode where you can see yourself, right? And then you'll be in a room and um, what you do is you just uh, rotate in a, a, you know, clockwise or anti-clockwise, whatever makes you happy, but just keep rotating while you're holding the phone in front of your face and then just rotate slowly and you'll notice that there'll be a sweet spot where you just look hot. As opposed to not look hot, you know, so there'll be, you'll see it and you'll go, oh, right. So in this position, I've got the light that's hitting me flat on and that's very flattering. It's filling in all the lines and and everything that's going on and it's not nice flat lighting. But then you can turn and there'll be a point where you'll be side lit and there'll be a point where you'll be backlit. And um, it's the best way to find... um, good lighting in, in if you can't like recognize that immediately and this is something that you can't you you just don't see it straight away it's like something that is learned uh the more you do it the more you'll be able to walk into a room and go i know where the good light is but just when you're learning um and even um if you're not sure test it out by just using this uh little technique so you know and this is like you might be on a portrait shoot and uh, you'll get to the location before your client arrives just whip your phone out and just do a little uh test run of all the different locations and find your good light this is a crucial to being a great portrait photographer is knowing where the good light is and you'll have a preconceived idea of like whether you want to have flat lighting so lighting that's heating the face directly or you want to have some modeling on the face and you want the light coming from the side you can't always tell immediately um, when you're in a room especially when you're not really sure where the sun is um, outside you can't always just like stick your head out the window and go where is the sun I could and, and also when it's overcast so this is a fantastic way to uh, find the best light in the room I love this hack 
You're yeah, going to use that next great. time you do a selfie, Val? <laughs> sure. You did not. one yesterday. <laughs> well, it was good I lighting, though. Your cat. lighting's getting much better, I have to say. Sorry? Your lighting's getting much better, like, you know. <laughs> There was, there was a few years back where I'd be like ringing you up going, where, where did you, where, where'd you take that shot? Like, <laughs> Thanks, Gina. Oh, you're that all was a over it. with me and Rexy, my cat. It was a beautiful photo. My yeah. baby. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, next tip, Val, number three. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is something that I see all the time. And it's um, not something that you notice initially uh, is... When you're shooting indoors and you might be shooting with daylight or even just a little dook of a fill flash or even smaller is a um, bing of uh, light just to clean up the, uh, the skin tone is uh-huh. if you've got overhead lights um, on, yeah. they can, uh, you won't see them with the naked eye, but the camera will pick them up and you'll get these uh, horrible highlights where you didn't, uh, and it's not until you get back and load the images onto your computer, you go, ah, oh, look at all the highlights and spots. So just whenever you walk into a room and you've got, especially those little LED lights, they're the um, the, the worst culprits because it's a really hard light and it's often all sorts of funky colours. So just the simple act of switching those lights, but Tiger's joined the conversation. Hello, Tiger. <laughs> You want to talk about lighting too, we know. He doesn't like LED lights either. But just simply switching those little LED lights off makes a huge difference. So this is like, um, you know, some people do uh, corporate portraits indoors and you're in a a corporate location and... um, You'll put that uh, the person right under an LED light, not notice, and, uh, and then you've got these terrible hot spots. So you can't always switch off the lights because you might be in a room where there's like 40 people working and you just go, hang on, I'm just going to switch the lights off so no one can see. Um, so if that's the case or it's, uh, you know, it's not easy to do, then maybe just um, try and cover them up with a little piece of white card. Uh, often that helps as well. Hang on, I've just got to pick him up and uh, put him on my shoulder. Um, <laughs> he just sits uh, like he's uh, sitting so that he's uh, like facing away from me, but his little front feet are on my shoulder and then he looks Aww. into the room and now he's happy. He won't meow anymore. That's he just wants a cuddle. <laughs> so that is a, like it feels like just a little thing but if you have to edit out those little hot spots it's just uh, such a nightmare to do especially if you've taken um, hundreds and hundreds of images so just be aware of that if you can't place the model in a location where there isn't overhead lighting uh, then cover it up using uh, you know a, a sheet of white card and then I think it's just a good idea to have in your kit some of that um, low uh, stick tape and the the, the best tape that I, I think, it's not gaffer tape because that'll rip the paint off and you don't want to do that to your clients, but yeah. um, there's a painter's tape that's uh, specially designed to uh, mask out areas when you're painting walls, not like your kind of painting, but like, you know, interior design paint, Val. And it's like you, you can mask out the walls uh, or um, windows or bits and pieces, but it comes off really easily. It's like low, low tack, so it won't okay. damage the walls. So that's the, the sort of one that I recommend. Don't Please don't use 
um, something like a gaffer tape or electrician's tape because when you pull it off, it's going to uh, um, pull the paint off. And yeah. uh, I can't confirm or deny that I know that from experience. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. So, um, but that is a, a massive game changer. Turn off the overhead lights. All right. So next... Um, the next one of my uh, seven portrait lighting tricks is uh, backlighting is your friend. And uh, with learning to uh, work with uh, strong backlighting, like often um, photographers will just um, assume that the best way when you've got like um, bright light behind the model is to just bring in uh, flash and fill it forward and then you've got like detail in the background and detail in the in the face and that's great if that's the look that you're going for but often um this can look really clinical and there there is another way and it's something that um was uh that that a lot of fashion photographers do uh, in, in their work is they actually just expose for the skin tone and let the background go. And it's a, a really, if you can get it right, it can be beautiful. And you can also get images that look like they were lit in a studio. So uh, I've got an example here um, where I've got a model standing in front of a window. And in the first image, in the show notes, um, he is in silhouette because I've exposed for the background so what I mean by I've exposed by for the background is I've pointed my camera I've framed up my scene and I've got my um, model in the position that I want them in and um, what I, I do is I'll, I'll take an, a, a shot where I'll I'll move my um, expo- my focus point which is also the the what I use to expose the image over the um the sky and uh it'll tell me what the correct exposure is for the background so remember that this person is backlit and so um once i do that and um set my camera to those settings the the background's going to be perfectly exposed my model will be a silhouette okay so now i've got a choice i can now bring in a flash and um and uh fill it in right or I can do something that I like to do is um, expose for the skin tone and let the background go. And if you do this to an extreme, what you end up with is something that ends up looking like a studio shot. And what you get is, um, so what I've done is um, brought the... um, my focus point, which is also the exposure meter uh, on on a camera onto the skin tone and open up my exposure. So like it might be that I um, slow down my shutter speed or I'll open up my aperture and I'm exposing for the skin tone. And what happens is when I expose for the skin tone because it was in silhouette, as I lift the exposure, everything else in the image lifts. So uh, all the other exposures have to lift as well. And so you end up with a bright white background and you end up getting a shot that just looks like it was shot in a studio. So it's the opposite of, uh, of garage lighting where you've got a black background, you can have a pure white background. And I think this is really underutilized. And um, we've got this example in the show notes where you'll see the before shot, so to speak, where Gina is exposed for the background and then you'll see the, the shot where she's done this technique. So it's worth checking out if you, um, uh, go to GinaMilitia.com. 
Yeah. All right. So um, fantastic. So the and the other thing that I that if you um, are shooting someone on the beach where there is a, um, a like a darker back um, area and you've got them maybe in open shade so uh, and there is a bit more light so the person is outside what you end up with is um, a hint of uh, background uh, detail so you might get um, a little bit of uh, water uh, the blue of the water coming through which is also that's a really a uh, real fashion look um, and I've got a, an image of Callum in the um, that I took um, down against a, a location in the beach and I've just like again exposed for his skin tone really picked that up and I've just got the um, little hint of blue there in the background and the light on his face uh, is actually quite beautiful and it's even like I've got a little bit of dappled light going on but not on his face and uh, just uh, exposing for the skin tone uh, working with that backlighting really makes uh, I, I think for a beautiful image and I've got another girl there in a bikini again again against the um, I could have lit her and included uh, you know what it's also good for Val you know when uh, you can't always clear the beach or clear a location <laughs> As much as yeah, I tried. Yeah, those pesky beachgoers. <laughs> the, the worst one was when I was at the Taj Mahal. Do you know, oh, yeah. you've been, right? Yeah. You know how many millions I, of I people? I chucked 37 uh, times chucked. on the road there. You chucked, which yeah, is like was slang times. for? Spewed. Drove, you drove the porcelain Vomited. bus. <laughs> <laughs> um, I hope no one's having their dinner while they're listening Sorry. to this. On one bus ride. <laughs> but when I went to the Taj Mahal, I, there was a particular image I wanted to get and there was people in my way. So I just started like there's thousands and I just started saying, yeah. um, sorry, can you move? Yeah, you too, you move. <laughs> and I was so, so confident uh, in moving everyone that the security guards that were there actually came along and um, cordoned off the area for me. <laughs> Oh, she's obviously because they looked at the camera and then like, oh, she must, you know, need to be here. We'll help her out, and so they started moving people out of the way. But having said that, you can't always do that. So if you want to take uh, an isolated shot of someone and uh, you know a beautiful lifestyle image, but there are people and there's guff in the background that actually you know detracts from the from the image using this technique and blowing out the background um it just cleans everything up and 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 then you've got this really strong image where you know when it was shot if you shot it uh, on automatic with the camera, you'd have all the background and all the guff and it just is a, just like a hot mess. So this is a great way to uh, isolate your subject without having to use any light. So I'm just using daylight, but I'm correctly exposing for the skin tone and don't, you know, uh, there'll be a lot of purists that say, "Oh no, but there's no there's no detail in the skies, so just mm. let it go to white." And it, it just, I think, it looks uh, great. Maybe you know you'll get uh, you'll lose points if you enter those uh, photo contests, but really, <laughs> who cares? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, that, I think that's uh, that's one of my favourite hacks for lifestyle and that fashion look. And uh, give it a go because it's uh, it's just a matter of. Um, you know, really not being afraid to blow out that and not have any detail in the sky. Perfectly fine. All the fashion photographers uh, are doing it, so it's it's all okay. Great. Okay, all right. cool. 
Yeah. All right. What's next? So next one is um, to uh, really use uh, side lighting in your yeah. images. So like a lot of people, like we know that uh, there is beauty lighting where you've got directional light hitting the person flat on on the face. And uh, what beautiful flat lighting does is it's uh, it, it fills in all the the like lines and and um, on the face. But having said that, it also flattens the image and um, it lacks shape. If you've got an image where you want to define something, so it might be that you're shooting a body shot, then rather than doing flat sort of um, garage style lighting, if you just uh, have the um, the lighting at, at a uh, a ninety degree angle to your model, so that it's going across your model. Then you're going to get beautiful definition of the muscles just by using natural light. So I've got a, another uh, couple of examples there in the show notes where I've got um, the beautiful Daniel McPherson there with his. Um, uh, shirt uh, like open there and you're seeing he's uh, I think he was down to about like four or five percent body fat in that in that image so he, he was quite nice. ripped but but if I had lit that flat um, I would have filled in all the um, the, the, the curves of his muscles and everything and it, it, he would have looked uh, not as uh, ripped as he does where I've when I've lit him from the side and so this applies to product photography as well and portrait photography so if you want to get that lovely modeling um, of your uh, subject then you know get, move the light so that you move your model so that the light source is at a, a 90 degree angle and yes Another rule you when you're doing basically that. when you're at three percent body fat, you're pretty ripped. You got six percent. I think three so percent. You're nearly dead. Really spells out your abs. It just, uh, it just, it's just very sculptural, isn't it? And it just, uh, That's it just one makes word, sculptural. <laughs> it just mm. makes it look um, three dimensional. It really yes, brings Daniel out. Yes, looks very sculptural. Sculptural, three dimensional. Um, you know, and so. If you're one of these people that likes to pose um, and do the selfies for Instagram of their uh, their their six pack, then uh, one thing that I recommend is that if you've got a uh, um, you know how I said don't stand under down lights. Mm. Do have them for that sort of if you want to. If, you, um, if you're doing if you want to show your abs off. Yeah, you know the bathroom yes. selfie. Stand yes, under yes, the yes. downlight in the bathroom, and it's going yes. to create um, that six-pack illusion rather than is flat it the lighting. Shadow? Yeah, yeah. So it's because a sculpture thing. So um, the other thing that you want to remember, if is if you want to increase uh, the drama in that image, then just bring your model closer to the light source. So uh, we talked about the inverse square law. The closer the subject is to the light source the more rapid the light is going to fall so it'll go from bright to dark a lot quicker when you're closer to the light source so it sounds counterintuitive it's something called the inverse square law trust me on this what you can do is if you've got like i've got my um john cena doll that i love and uh, the, 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 the and the reason I love that doll is because he's um, he's already you can see all these muscles, but it's a great way to actually um, 
find good lighting so what you can do is if you want to practice this just get yourself something um sculptural like that or if you happen to have someone like a john cena doll just get yourself a john cena or if you happen to live with john cena or someone that looks like that or uh, you know the the the, whatever the female what's the female equivalent of john cena maybe ronda rousey i don't know yeah so someone who's like you know uh uh linda hamilton She's still got, you know, from Terminator. Okay, sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, just um, test that out if you've got you one, one of those. You would think by this conversation that Gina is a different generation, but we are the same generation. <laughs> <laughs> um, br- uh, test it out and um, or with your styrofoam head, bring it right up close to the window and uh, just have a look at what happens and you'll see that the, you'll get the, you can get something like split lighting. If you don't want split lighting, then move your model slightly away. And the further away from the light source you are, the flatter, the less contrast there is to the light. But definitely work with um, that. And you can see the difference. Uh, um, same model uh, shot with the light at the 90 degree angle and then the difference in the light where it's uh, flat on. It's like two different, completely different shots. And that is like exactly the same location. It's just a matter of turning the model. So you can do, um, you know, if you want to create lots of different looks for someone, that's what you can um uh, you can use this technique to do that. It's just being aware of um, how you can work with the, uh, the the available light. Yeah, it looks good. And there's some great examples too in the show notes. But you can imagine if you're closer to the the um, uh, the light source and it, with side lighting, you can imagine that it would be a lot moodier and looks very cool. Yeah, so there's a, there's a lot you can do with that. And that also applies to uh, products and food photography as well. So if you want to create um, like dark food photography is very groovy at the moment. So if you want to create like really moody food shots, um, experiment with, um, you know, the proximity to to the light source and, um, and or moving it further away and uh, just play around with stuff you know and um have a go because it's like in in doing that you go ah this all makes sense and then you'll you'll see it for yourselves all right so what are we up to now val you keeping score number actually oh uh... i probably should number them as i go that would help all right so next one (laughs) okay so this is the best hack for turning a cheaper light modifier into a more expensive one and uh, what you can do is soften the light just by using the uh, thing that we talked about in the first example which is a scrim or a diffuser now when you buy a, a light modifier for your flash uh, the cheaper ones, uh, like the cheapest you can get is an umbrella, which is one, it's like basically a, a, like an umbrella that you use when it's raining, but it's like translucent material um, over the, the frame of an umbrella and you put that in front of your speed light or studio light. So it's one panel of diffusion, diffusion right? Um, and so... What this does is, is, is it softens the light, but if you're using something like a, a speed light or a studio light, it's still going to give you um, a harsh 
shadow uh, or, or, a, or a highlight depending on what you're photographing. So, and sometimes you don't always want that. So let, let's say you're photographing a, por- a portrait and all you've got is either an umbrella or you've gone and bought yourself a new softbox or an octobox, but you went for the less expensive one and all it has is one panel on the outside and it doesn't have like, because when I recommend um, octoboxes or softboxes as modifiers, I recommend that you spend a little bit of money, extra money, and get something that's got double diffusion. So it's got an interior panel and uh, an exterior panel as well. So the light from the flash has to pass through the middle panel and through the second panel. So it's double diffused. Layer upon okay. layer, as your favourite Sarah Lee would say, right? So you've got two, two. It passes through two panels, and you get a much softer light. But when you've bought the cheaper modifier, and you want to, um, what what do you do? Here's a, it's a simple hack. So you take a scrim and put it in front of that modifier, and suddenly now you've got double diffusion. And you don't think that this would make much of a difference, but there's an example in the show notes where I've got a bottle of, um, what is it, whiskey? Uh, uh, that Bailey's, I've... I think. No, it's not Bailey's, it's like Shivers. Oh, Shivers, yeah. Yeah. Um, and um, in the, the, the image on the left, you can see, can you see that highlight? You can probably uh, just zoom in a bit, uh, Val, if you want to yeah, see it so a bit you closer. Can see basically. <laughs> There's like um, more of a hard reflection. Yeah. So see, like, so the image on the left is with the single diffusion and you've got like a very hard uh, reflection there. And when I've put the um, extra diffusion, the uh, using the scrim, you can see how that softens the highlight. Yes. And it's, uh, it's, it makes a huge difference. So, you know, again, if you're shooting products and you don't want a super hard highlight and you want to have a softer highlight, then just putting a scrim in front of your light is going to do that. And then if you still it at home, actually. give it a try. And this also, like the dreaded no shadow when you're um, trying to create uh, like something uh, – edgy with your lighting but the nose gets in the way and you end up with a, that hard nose shadow um, for a start using a, like a, a better light modifier with double diffusion usually eliminates that that's why I love working with soft soft boxes and octa boxes but if you don't have that and you've only got the single diffusion then adding that scrim is going to soften that nose shadow and uh, it won't be that hard 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 shadow that you get it'll be like nice and soft blend in nicely and um, really help make your lighting look more natural because the trick is when you're artificially lighting something you want people to look at that image and not really be sure that it was lit or not you shouldn't be able to tell by you know the tells are the no shadows or how bright the highlights are so you want you want your transitions from shadows to high to, to highlights to be nice and soft and even and this is a really uh, simple cheap and easy way to achieve this okay brilliant so all right what's next This next one is a game changer and a lot of people don't think about doing this when they're shooting outside, particularly uh, it's easy to do if it's a sunny day and there's no clouds and you know exactly what direction the light is in. But if you're outside on an overcast day, um, it's hard to uh, tell what direction the light is coming from, but it's... 
if you look up, you can sort of, um, even if it's very heavy cloud cover, you can sort of get a sense uh, by when your eyes start to go, oh, that hurts about there. You can work out what direction the light is coming from, right? So a lot of people don't think about positioning their models so that the light is hitting them so that they've got the light behind them rather than the the model is backlit. So um, I know I talked about earlier that you know backlighting is your friend and let the background blow out but what if um, it's important for your image that you have uh, good detail in the background so this might be where you want to do a character shot where uh, part of telling the story that you want to tell is um, inc- including the environment that the, 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 the model is in yeah, like so you don't want to blow it out warrior and you want to show that they're in the outdoors or they're a yeah. surfer you want to show they're at the be- at beach or if they're um, a warehouse worker and you want to show the detail of the warehouse in the background. exactly. Now, how the light hits the skin tone, there is a huge difference when you backlight as opposed to, um, especially when it's uh, diffuse light like this where you've got like lots of cloud cover There is, and, and you want to hold the detail in the background. There is a big difference to how the image looks when it's backlit as opposed to when it's frontlit. So I've got uh, an example in the show notes. Same person, um, in the first image, the light is behind him and I've uh, captured the detail there but you can see that um, his face is in shadow and be and I can yes I can go into Photoshop and Lightroom and open up those shadows but you get a different look so you get slightly more noise and it's just a completely different look to the lighting as opposed to when I turn the model around the other way and I've got the light directly behind me and he's being lit um, front on, it's just um, c- cleaner in terms of the skin tone. Can you see the difference in those two images, Val, in how the lighting, the skin tone really glows with, when, when it's lit front on compared to when it's backlit? For sure. Yeah. But for so example, it's... Gina, if they were at the beach, the, you can't move the, sand, the, the ocean, so you can't just flip them around, you know what I mean? If you wanted the ocean um, in the background, but it, like if yeah. you're, um, and then there's other things that you could do, like you could, you, then you would, if it had to be ocean and it was backlit, because uh, not all oceans, um, it, depending on where you are in the world, it'll be sure. different at different times of the day. So yeah. it's either you think about what time of day you're going to be shooting so that the, uh, the yes. it's not backlit and, that, and that's where, you know, you really... Um, Great photography all comes down to it's 80% is in the planning. So if your client says, I want a shot on the beach, it's really important. Then, you know, you say, all right, well, if you want that specific shot with the water in the background and you want to get lots of beautiful detail and you don't want to be bringing all your lighting gear down to the beach, then you would would shoot early in the morning, uh, depending on where you are in the world or, you know, later in the afternoon so that that image isn't backlit. But for this example here, which was actually shot on a farm, uh, it makes a huge difference um, in terms of like it didn't matter either way. The, 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 the background was uh, nice mm. both ways, but just yep. in terms of the quality of the skin tone, so much better when you've got the light directly hitting that, that, that model's face. Great. Yeah. Okay. All, so all right. What next? All right. So next one is when you're – 
bringing in artificial lighting for a shot the mistake that a lot of people make is they don't consider where the original light source was coming from and the original light source is or is, is uh the sun you know where the light is coming from it doesn't always have to be but when you're outside you want to always match the direction of the existing light so that's where like you know knowing how to do this and see this and you'll pick it up a lot easier the more you do it but like I've got a, an example here where I've got a farmer and he's out amongst his cows and um, I've lit him with artificial light but what I've been careful to do is make sure that I bring the light in from the same side as the sun so that it all matches in and um, it, it looks like when I remove the light stand in the second image that it was he is uh, lit by the natural light you know and, and so, this so is one I, of Gina's signature you know um, moves <laughs> um, and it's it's awesome and uh, for those of you who probably are in the gold community you've probably gone through some of the tutorials if you knew you might not have yet but this is a really really good one we could do a whole episode on this mm. um, but it is awesome because it is where Gina actually puts the light stand in actually lights the person in a shot that's you know fabulous obviously but the light stands in the freaking way. Yeah. So what she does is she removes the light stand. I mean, and she comps the, the shot and she removes the light stand and it, you end up with this amazing shot that you would never know that was a light stand there in the first place. So um, do check out the show notes if you want to have a look at what that, uh, what I'm referring to. Um, and of course, if you are in the community, make sure you check out the tutorials on that because this is a game changer. It is. And the reason I do this, Val, is I used to, um, before, obviously, before Photoshop, we were went to great pains to light so that the light stands were just out of frame. And I was constantly, yeah. um, you know, moving, nudging lights. Oh, the, the, the edge of the light's just in the frame. Move it across a little bit. The problem with that is the further away your light is from your model, the harder the light source. And it's a lot, it, it's a lot easier to, for me mm. to get the beautiful lighting that I want when I've got my light source practically on top of my model and that's how I like to light I know it's a lot of extra work but it's I reckon it's um, so worth it because you just get uh, like a far superior lighting using this technique so I do that for all my portraits that's uh, I'll do that extra work because I think it's worth it so that's outside and um, also when you're lighting inside, I think you can also follow this protocol. So if you've got someone, so I've got an image of a, um, the, the tea, um, the tea man in, a, in, in India at a laundrette and um, he's standing next to a window. And so what I wanted to do is make sure that it looked like that he was being lit by the natural light that was flooding in through the window, which was, wasn't the case. So the original image is, um, sorry about that. Uh, the original image that, is- That wasn't um, like the devil. That, that wasn't Satan, that was Gary. It sound like Satan. Um, <laughs> the original image uh, is a lot darker, but what I've done is I have a, an assistant that's outside with a, a light and he is uh, ho holding it outside it, through the window so the light we've I've just boosted the light and it matches 
the artificial light matches the direction of the window so that when you look at the image you don't think it was artificially lit you it, it like it makes sense that oh he's just lit by the window light so just really thinking about that and noticing what's happening in your scene and the direction of light is a, also a massive game changer brilliant all right okay, cool. and Finally, you can hear yes. a bit of growling in the background. Um, one thing like to remember, big light source, soft lighting, small light source, hard lighting. So I've got two yes. examples here that were shot in um, Sicily on the last workshop. And um, I've got an example of, uh, this is Alessio, uh, who uh, we, the top image, uh, we used a large, uh, I think it was a 27 uh, inch octa, very close to the model, uh, two feet from the model. And you can see that it's, uh, you know, beautiful, clean, soft lighting. There is a wall behind him, but there is no shadows, no. right? So even, lovely, soft lighting. The exact opposite of that. So we said big light source. So if you want softer light, bring your light source closer to your model as close yeah. as possible and you know uh that if you've still got a small light source and you bring it close and it's still not um looking good then what you want to do is make your light source larger by um you know you can put a scrim in front of it like which we said earlier which makes your light source bigger or uh what you can do is um the opposite of that is a small light source makes harder light. So um, the same person standing in front of a wall of speed light uh, with no modifier and the light is approximately 30 feet from the model. All right, so a long way away. So we've recreated the look of um, say sunlight, small light source gives hard lighting and yeah. we've got you can see that uh, you've got the uh, the shadow there and I've actually replicated sunlight so using yes. um, same light both speed lights but moving the speed light far away from the model gives a hard light bringing the light source close to the model bigger modifier gives soft light so there you go Val seven portrait All lighting right. tricks well, bonus because we threw in an eight <clears throat> what was the eighth I can't remember, the but it's in Velcro, there. Velcro, <laughs> right. with a tangent, with okay, a twist. So we are almost at the end of this week's episode, and it sounds like the gates of hell have opened yeah, at Gina's house yes, by yes. what's going on in the background. Yeah. So let's finish off on our. So first of all, we hope that you've got a lot out of the lighting tricks and hacks that you can apply to your own photography. But let's finish off on Aussie slang of the week. Yeah, so um, Aussie slang word, Val, is uh, mm. use. Oh, yes, use. A favourite of mine. Um, yes. And it's the pr plural of you, isn't it? <laughs> yes. So it's Y-O-U, <laughs> so you, but plural, use. <laughs> so um, put it in a sentence. Uh, so how are you how are going to going? the pub tonight? Uh, what are you doing tonight? Yeah. Um, <laughs> what and, do you uh, think? What do you think? So, um, what do you want? So, if you're posting uh, in the Facebook group this week, mm. so you want to be a, a photographer Facebook group, or you're a Goldie asking me a question, please, 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 it makes me so happy. I'm in lockdown. I need this. I want you to use <laughs> use 
Yes. In a sentence, and uh, just on that, um, the what's well, Y O U S E yeah. when you are writing this obviously very esoteric word. Spending a lot of time uh, with a lot of we've got a lot of North American um, goldies. That, that um, I think it's from the south. The the equivalent is y'all. So it's Y A double L, y'all, which is, uh, well, I, I think, think it's Y apostrophe A L L. Okay, so this is contentious, Val, because I've looked it up and yeah, it's Y apostrophe A L L is what I thought it was, but I looked it up on Google and Google reckons that the correct spelling. So can you clarify this for us, listeners? Oh. Is it Y A apostrophe um, double L or is it Y? Apostrophe A double L because that's no, what I thought. Just, what you said, let me you just, look at, you, we don't need you, anyone I know, to Val, because this. I know I you've lectured. Queen. You've let you no, are no, no, the no, no, master no, no. of this. It is Y apostrophe A L L. Did you look that? But Google says otherwise, so Google's wrong. Valerie Koo? completely wrong. And if you, act, I don't know what Google you're looking at, but the Google that I'm looking at yeah. agrees with me. Really. Yes, because you put an apostrophe where there is a contraction, and the contraction I, I, I here is O-U. Well. No, no, no. It's it's no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. So, so the one I went to, so the, the I should have done that that first because I was right because I was doing it Y apostrophe A double L. But yes. there are other people that say it's Y A apostrophe double L. But they are you know. Incorrect. All right, so that's my other favourite word, y'all. I'm going to be using it more and more. Yeah. Y'all. Yeah, okay. Well, use. use. So did you use, did you use, use when you were? No, well, at it's more point? of Queensland. Well, I did for a little while, but then I stopped because, you know. Yes. <laughs> yes, I did too when I was younger and then I got to high school. And you grew Victoria up and you realised you're not supposed to use it. My year just kept telling me off and it, I stopped. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed. Hope guys. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, so, what are you doing on the? What are you doing this week, Val? Oh my god! Um, I am launching um, uh, a whole bunch of products like pencil cases, backpacks, um, quilts. Uh, Shower curtains. Shower um, curtains. Amazing. Yes. Um, tea ta- oh, no. Yeah. No, the tea towels aren't this week. Um, yeah. A whole bunch of uh, stuff like that. Totes yeah. coming up um, very soon. So stay tuned. If you follow me on Instagram, you'll see that uh, my artwork has been licensed. So Amazing. I'm not actually manufacturing this. My whole aim was always to... Uh, was was to license the artwork so yep. that I give the right, and you can people you can do this with your photography as well. Yeah. So can you do a um, all... tutorial for the Goldies on that on yeah, licensing? Yeah. So not that not be unreal. The, not all your photography, but specific types of yes. photography. You can um, you know, license. So what I've done is I've licensed my artwork so that other people, manufacturers, yeah. Um, pay for the right to yeah. use the artwork on their products. Yep. And um, it's like you get a royalty for, um, you know, every item sold. sold. So a friend of mine, yes. she she just sold 70,000 units. That's amazing. She, she didn't sell it, but 
she her, her, the, yeah. the the thing that her artwork is licensed on. Brilliant. Um, yeah, pretty good. So I'm only I'm launching it. Well, I'm not launching it. That company is launching it. Um, that will be sometime this week, hopefully. So. And so, if you sell seventy thousand units, can we go to Hawaii? Somehow, I don't think that I'll be selling seventy thousand. I'm just starting out. That you know, I'll be happy if I sell a fraction of that. Wouldn't put it past you, you Val. That's very exciting. So there's Um, material backpacks. No, no, we're not allowed. We're locked in. The borders are shut. Yes, I know. (laughs) Philip Island. We could go to Phillip Island. I can't go to Phillip Island. You can't even come here. We can't. That's, congratulations, Val. That's amazing. I can't wait. I will be looking out for that. I might uh, buy buy a pencil case. I've got your um, <laughs> pillows here. I'll buy a pencil case as well. Um, I'm proud of you. <laughs> What are you doing? doing good in there. I'll be speaking at. Um, I'll be doing a commencement speech at Harvard, Val. Um. Wait, okay. did I say Harvard? It's not Harvard University. There's a cafe up the road <laughs> called Harvard's. <laughs> and, and you're I'll, doing a commencement speech. Okay. I'll be just going, how are you? I'll have a <laughs> two, two flake and a, and a potato cake. Thanks. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'll just continue. Oh, potato just cake. Cl- so r- r- just back on Aussie slang, scallops. you see, where Gina lives, it's a potato cake. Where I live, it's a potato scallop. Right, and it's probably the rest of the world have no. But anyway, no, by now everyone's okay. hung, uh, All right. the, everyone's Where gone do we home. Find you, online, Gina? you find me at ginamilitia dot com. That's G I N A M I L I C I A. I'm at Gina Militia on all social media. And if you want to take your photography to the next level, then check out the Goal Community, uh, and you can check it out at ginamilitia dot com, and click on join the community. What about you? And I'll be at Harvard too if you want to go <laughs> see me there. What about you, Val? You'll find me um, at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit GinaMilitia.com.